Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's Focus on Our Sages right now on 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon. It's wonderful to be with you for the afternoon. Welcome to Soul to Soul. And it is a cold and gloomy day today, isn't it? It's cold because the temperature has dropped and we're going through a cold front. And it's gloomy and it's bitter because of the circumstances we are all going through here in South Africa. Unfortunately, it's the third wave and we're dealing with those consequences. And we've had the terrible rioting and looting that we've seen around the country. And so it really puts us all in a very gloomy mood. And um, it's a time for pause and it's a time for reflection and uh, a time to try and gather our thoughts. It is the nine days and we're heading up for Tisha B'Av. And we know that the three weeks, nine days and Tisha B'Av are a time of darkness in the world, uh, certainly for the Jewish people and the rest of the world. And so uh, in case we need reminders that we should be longing for Hashem and longing for redemption and longing for Mashiach, so they, we don't have to look very far, do we? And we just have to um, open our eyes to the reality around us and see that the world is in great need of healing the world is in great need of light, certainly in particular here in South Africa. And uh, we pray that things will turn and that the end of um, the COVID crisis will be near and that law and order will be restored for us here in South Africa. I don't think we should panic um, because panic is never a, a productive emotion and response to circumstances. We should look at the reality and keep our eyes and ears open and see what's happening, but deal with it in a rational way, deal with it in a calm way, understand that, unfortunately, um, these realities are part of life in the world. We saw in the United States also with the terrible murder of George Floyd. There were, there were horrible riots going on around the country. It took them a few days to settle, and uh, unfortunately, these terrible riots and and um, looting is taking place in, in our country. And let's hope that the government and the law enforcement authorities could get the situation under control quickly. And that's critical and vital. And um, please, God, they, a lesson should be learned and these things should not be allowed to happen again um, because uh, it really puts everything in jeopardy and could turn the entire society into turmoil. Uh, we know that one of the Shiva mitzvahs b'nei noyach, one of the seven Noahide laws, is to set up dinim, to set up courts of law. Because without courts of law, without having a legal system that is enforced, so the society turns into pandemonium, it becomes brutal and um, unfortunately results in mayhem and in suffering and in disaster. So please God, that should be the case. And uh, we shouldn't lose our heads in a frenzy and in a panic and uh, maintain our ability to make rational and clear decisions 
and uh, see the benefits of living in this beautiful country of South Africa. Yeah, of course, there are downsides, and each person has to look at it in their own situation based on their own circumstances. But we should. It's a very important that we uh, don't lose our heads and and fall into a frenzy and make irrational decisions. Um, so it very much is within the mindset and the circuit and, and the um, the energy of this time of the nine days leading up to Tisha B'Av. It always is a sad time. It always is a a time of vulnerability and a time of negativity in the world, um, as we can see very clearly around us here in South Africa. So what I want to do is share with you the significance of today's date. Today is a very important day. It's the 5th of Av, and there are two yacht sites of two great individuals within Klai Israel. We do like to talk, as the uh, blurb of my show says, that we talk about the sages and the great leaders of Klai Israel. And uh, it's, it's uh, important for us to know um, who were the great individuals that kept the fires of Judaism burning and made significant contributions to the Jewish people. Very important that we understand who they were and we understand what they did. It, it, it helps us tremendously in the present, in our lives, having these examples and having these um, towering lights and these uh, incredible human beings that lived before us um, in mind. And then we'll discuss a little bit about the nine days and about Tisha B'Av and about the significance of, the significance of Tisha B'Av. So first, let's go right into the yacht site today of the Arizal, the great and holy Arizal. The Arizal, who lived in, um, first, the Arizal, whose name was Rabbi Yitzhak Luria Ashkenazi, who was referred to Ashkenazi because his father was Ashkenazi and his mother was Faradi. He was born in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh, in the year 1534. In fact, it's an amazing thing. He was born, um, the building where he was born in the old city of Jerusalem, it's on Orachayim, Rechov Orachayim, that's right next to Yeshiva's Birkas Torah. I'm sure many of you are familiar with what I'm saying and have been there. Just past Birkas, if you're heading towards the Jewish quarter, um, so on your right hand side is actually a, a, it's a, a museum there today that it says a plaque on the wall says, you can read it from the street, the plaque on the wall. It says this is the place where the Arizal lived and this is the place where the Orachayim was as well. Um, and uh, it was the year 1534 that the Arizal was born. When he was a young boy, his father passed away and um, his mother had a brother who lived in Egypt and she went to join her brother with her son. Um, Rav Yitzchak um, to Egypt and in Egypt he learnt he was a child prodigy he was a very brilliant young boy and uh, he learnt with the Radvaz Rav Davi Ben Zimri who was the greatest rabbi in the world at the time um, and he also learnt with the after Radvaz passed away the Shittim Kubetzes who was one of the great commentaries of the Talmud is the Shittim Kubetzes the Arizal actually um, learnt by him it was his rabbi and in other in in fact, some parts of the Shittimu were written by the Arizal. Um, he got married at a young age, and already by that time, in his late teens, he was um, seen as one of the greatest Jewish minds in the world, one of the greatest rabbis in the world, and he was learning with and on a par with all the greatest rabbis at the time. And then in his 20s, he started learning Zohar, started learning the classic work of Jewish mysticism of Kabbalah, and he spent the next uh, several years 
in seclusion and uh, learning the Zohar and learning all the Kabbalistic sources. Um, and the, the greatness of the Arizal was achieved not through um, different and strange means. In other words, it wasn't through, you know, all these uh, supernatural means. The Arizal was a holy person. He was humble. He was pious. He studied Torah for many, many hours a day. He was somebody who um, achieved tremendous heights through his hard work in terms of his you know, working on his character and in terms of his piety, in terms of his dedication to Torah. Um, at the age of 36, so um, our tradition is that he had a Giloi Eliyahu, Eliyahu Nabi spoke to him and told him he needs to go to Eretz Yisrael to teach Torah, to teach what he knows to the Chacham Eretz Yisrael. And he only has two years to live. And so the Arizal, um, he then went to Tzfat in Eretz Yisrael when he was 36 years old. And at the time, it's Tzfat, Rav Yosef Karo, who's the Machaber, the author of the Social Chanarach, was there. Rav Yosef Karo was a man of 80 years old. The Arizal was a young man of 36 years old. Um, he was there, the Rav Moshe Cordovero, the Ramak was there. Rav Shlomo Alkabitz, the author of Lachadodi, was there. Rav Moshe Alshech. All of these great people were there, and they all learned Kabbalah under the Arizal. And he's, he was there, he, he was uh, two years in Tzfat before he passed away, the age of 38. And his primary student was Rav Chaim Vital. And Rav Chaim Vital then wrote all the writings of his Rebbe into a, a set of, uh, of books, the works called Eitz Chaim, which is the Tree of Life. And in there, the Arizal unlocked the secrets of Kabbalah to Klal Yisrael. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. Today is the 5th of Av, the 5th day of the month of Av. And today is the yacht site of the Arizal, Rav Yitzhak Luria Ashkenazi. And as we've been describing his life, he was the great teacher of Kabbalah to Klal Yisrael, to the Jewish people. Um, the Arizal, the last two years of his life, at the age of 36, moved to Sfat, um, in which he led the school of Kabbalists, um, in which they he taught what he had uh, understood, how it, his um, workings of the Jewish system of mysticism of Kabbalah and he taught that to the school of Kabbalah that he ran in Sfat and um, those teachings were written down by his Talmud Rav Chaim Bital in, um, in uh, this, the famous encyclopedic Kabbalistic work called Eitz Chaim and the Arizal uh, I heard this from Rabbi Yaakov Hillel personally who's one of the great Masters of Kabbalah in our times, in our generation. And the great um, Rav Hillel said that the teachings of the Arizal opened up Kabbalah to the Jewish world, opened up the depths of Kabbalah to Klai Yisrael and uh, showed Klai Yisrael how, um, what really the, the Zohar meant. In other words, people didn't understand the, the meanings and the, and the depths of the Zohar. And they, uh, they, uh, needed, you, you know, when one opens the Zohar, it's very difficult to work out what's going on. But 
it takes time to um, work it out and to see um, the incredible depths of what is going on. So the Arisa opened up and unlocked the keys to the Zohar for um, the Jewish world. And any study of Kabbalah today is based on the teachings of the Arizal and on his revelations to what the Kabbalistic system is and how it all works. And really everything we do in Judaism is based on Kabbalah, is based on mysticism, based on the deepest mystical secrets because it's the world of of the the spiritual world. And um, basically Kabbalah is a description of how Hashem runs the system, how Hashem runs the world, how Hashem puts together all the um uh, Hashem's influence in this world. So Kabbalah really describes the mechanics of Hashem's running the universe and running the system. And uh everything in Judaism is based on that blueprint. The blueprint of the Torah, the blueprint of the mystical system is really something that um so, is something that um is the foundation of everything in Judaism. So everything we do, big and small, has its roots in the Kabbalistic system. And the Arizal unlocked the, the keys and showed, had the keys to unlock how that process, how that system works. And uh, much of our understanding today uh, comes from his genius and research. So today we remember the great light that the Arizal shared in the world. Um, how he unlocked the Zohar, which was written by Rabbi Shimba Yochai 2,000 years ago. And uh, today, it's, uh, the, the Arizal passed away in the year 1572, um, is when he left this world, is when he passed away. Um, before we uh, talk about the next Yotzah, today is also the Yotzah of Rev Chaim Oza Grzynski. Um, I'm going to share with you a live read. Discam pharmacies vaccinating people over the age of 50 years at selected sites. If you have a medical aid, you will immediately qualify for a vaccination. If you if you are not covered by medical aid, DISCAM can assist you to register with their EVDS system at their sites in order to obtain a voucher that will direct you to a site later. For information on DISCAM vaccination sites, please visit discam.co.za slash COVID-19-vaccination or contact the DISCAM call center 0861-117-4274 for assistance. More vaccination sites will be added as more vaccines become available. DISCAM pharmacies, pharmacists who care. So today, the 5th of, of Av is also the yacht site of Rav Chaim Ozer Krasinski. Rav Chaim Ozer was, uh, he, he, we're going from um, 1572, when the Arizal passed away, to the year 1863, almost 300 years later, when Rachaim Oizer was born. Rachaim Oizer was born in Lithuania, and he was the most outstanding scholar in uh, East European Jewry. His father was a Talmud of Rav Yisrael Salanta, who was the father of the Muslim movement, and Rachaim Oizer was a incredible genius. He was a, a young man with tremendous um, powers of intellect and uh, he could uh, talk to you and at the same time write a tshuva and at the same time do, do write something else with his other hand. He was uh, one of those rare individuals. Um, he once said that he never experienced forgetting. He never knew what forgetful, what forgetting was. Um, in the, between the, the war years, him and the Chavetz Chaim were the leaders of the Jewish people. Chavetz Chaim passed away in 1936. Um, 
and Rabbi Chaim Oizer in 1940. A few months later, Rabbi Baruch Believitz passed away. So it was uh, those years were of tremendous loss for the Jewish world because the great leaders had all um, left in a short amount of time and then was unfortunately the Holocaust. Um, he authored a work called Achieze, the Rav Chaim Moses. So listen to this little story. It gives you a little bit of appreciation to who he was. So actually, was Zoyche was fortunate to be in Lithuania with Rabbi Pesach Kron, and we went to the grave of Rav Chaim Ozer in the uh, cemetery in Vilna. We also went to the place where he lived, um, he, where his apartment was, in the center of Vilna. Um, Rav Chaim Ozer wrote, being such a genius, he wrote responsa. That uh, was the normal way in the rabbinic world, is that there were uh, shilas that were presented to Rabbonim, and the Rabbonim would answer the, the shiler, would answer the question, and very often would write down what the question was and what the answer was. And the um, the answers to those questions were often published in the what was called the rabbinic responsa of that particular rabbi. So Rav Chaim Oizer, he authored something called Achiezer. His responses that were published were uh, gathered together and published, and they were called Achiezer. That was his famous um, work of response is called. And he wrote two volumes when he was a young man, at quite a young age. And then he wrote a third volume of Achiezer, but only many years later. And the great Rav Shach, who was the leader in modern times of the religious world, of the from world, Rav Shach was a young man in Lithuania. Rav Shach asked, he met with Rav Chaim Oizer, and he asked Rav Chaim Oizer, why was it that you wrote your first two volumes of Achiezer when you were a young man, and the, you only wrote the third volume at a much later age when you were 77 years old? Why didn't you write anything in between? And he answered Rav Shach, and he said, when I was a young man, so I thought the most important thing for the Jewish people was to write down one's response, one's answers to these complicated halachic questions. But then I realized that it's more important for Klai Yisrael to help people, to help the community, to help widows, to help orphans, to help build the Jewish world and the Jewish people. And so most of my years were dedicated to that important cause of helping the Jewish people. And now in my older age, where I don't have much, as much energy and strength, so now I have time to write the third volume of Achiezer. So that really tells us the kind of individual, the kind of person that Rav Chaim Oizer was. Um, we've just uh, read Pasha's Masai. In Pasha's Masai, so we see the death of um, of the uh, at the end of, of Sefer Bamidbar. Uh, the Torah describes how before Devarim, Devarim was the last few weeks of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. But at the end of Bamidbar, so the Torah describes that Moshe knows he's going to die. And he says to Hashem, we, uh, you need to appoint a successor who will lead the Jewish people. And the way Moshe Rabbeinu expresses that in the Torah is that he says, he says to Elokei Haruchos, um, the God of, of spirits, uh, we need to appoint, please will you appoint a successor. So Rashi says, why these extra words Elokei Haruchos? So it should just say like everywhere else in the Torah that Moshe spoke to Hashem, Moshe, Moshe El Hashem. Um, why does it say Elokei Hashem Elokei Ruchos? So Rashi says, because Elokei Ruchos says that Moshe Rabbeinu was emphasizing that he understood that Hashem understands the ruach of co-individual, the needs of every individual. And he's saying that um, 
a leader that needs to be appointed is one who understands the ruach of every individual. So God who understands every individual's needs now will appoint a leader who understands every individual's needs, every person, what's going on in the heart of every individual. And that's the mark of a great leader within Kali's role. And that was Yoshua. Actually, we did mention that two weeks ago um, in our discussion in, in Soul to Soul two Wednesdays ago. So that was the emphasis that um, the Torah is telling us in a great leader. A great leader is one who understands the individual who, for who they are and what they are. And that was Rev Chaim Ozer. He was regarded as the great grandfather, the Zayda of Klai Yisrael. He cared deeply for every Jew and he led Klai Yisrael with tremendous compassion and love and empathy and care for every single Jew um, within the family of the Jewish people. Um, there's a famous story actually. Um, towards the end of his life also, he was old, so he couldn't go to shul, but they made a minion in his house, and they had like a base midrash in his house where they would learn, and uh, uh, somebody came to ask him a shayla. People would come and ask him shaylas over there, ask him questions, and somebody came, and he said, this guy said to him, can a Kohen take a divorcee? So we all know the halacha, that a Kohen can't marry a divorcee. So this individual asked Rabbi Chaim Moser, can a Kohen take a divorcee? So... Um, so Rav Chaim Oizer thought about it and he said, yes, a Kohen can take a divorcee. So when this man left, so the Talmudim, the, those people that were there said, Rebbe, what do you talk about? How could you say a Kohen can take a, a divorcee? So Rav Chaim Oizer said, no, you misunderstood the question. This man's a wagon driver. He wasn't talking about whether a Kohen can marry a divorcee. He was talking about whether a Kohen who's a wagon driver, can he take a divorcee? Can he be a taxi driver for a divorcee? That was his question. So we see everybody else misunderstood it. Rav Chaim Oizer saw the person for who they were. He understood the context of the individual and um, from where the shadow, where the question was coming from. And so he was tremendously beloved when he passed away in 1940. Um, there were 40 Hespadim. He passed away in 1940 and there were 40 rabbis that gave Hespadim for him. Um, he was just so beloved by Klai Yisrael, by the Jewish people. Um, I'll tell you one more story about him, a beautiful story about Rav Chaim Weizer, that when he was a young boy, so as we mentioned, his father was a Talmud of Yisrael, and his father took him to hear Rav Yisrael in a base midrash in, in Lithuania, I don't know where it was, and you know, there were hundreds of people, it was very busy, Rav Yisrael was a genius, was a brilliant speaker, and he obviously mesmerized the whole crowd, and he asked everybody a question in the talk, in the shir, and he didn't answer the question, and he was a young boy, Rav Chaim was, was nine years old when he was at this lecture. And after the talk, he went over to Rav Yisrael and he said, he was too embarrassed in front of all the people to answer during the talk. But afterwards, he went over to him and he said, I have an answer to your question. And he answered the question and he was right. He gave the right answer. So Rav Yisrael said to him, I want to give you a bracha. What bracha do you want? So he said, please give me a bracha that I find the right shidduch. He was a young boy, but... You know, that's what he was thinking about, finding the right woman to marry, which, of course, is the most important decision anybody makes in their life. And Rabbi Israel said, you should marry a, you know, Hashem should bless you, that you should find your zivug, you should find your soulmate, you should find the right person to marry. And as it goes, so when Rav Chaim Oizer, you know, was 10 years later, when he was in the parsha of Shidduchim, when he was looking for a wife, so somebody suggested... Um, the granddaughter of Rabbi Yisrael. And they told Rabbi Yisrael that actually the boy that we're suggesting tells us a story that he came to your lecture and you gave him a bracha that he should find the right shidduch. 
Rabbi Yisrael was unmoved, and Rabbi Yisrael said that um, he, he quoted a pasuk in the Torah. Um, es, uh, the pasuk says that I gave my daughter to this man to Ishazeh. So Ish in the Torah is somebody who's of a certain moral stature. So Rabbi Yisrael said uh, he might be a genius. He maybe he answered my question when he was nine years old, and maybe I gave him bracha, but that um, is insignificant if he doesn't have good midas. I need to, we need to determine whether he has good character, whether he's a good person, whether he's kind, whether he's genuine, whether he's honest, whether he's reliable, whether he has, has integrity. Those are the qualities you need to look at. I don't care how brilliant and how smart he is, only then will I allow my granddaughter to go on a shidduch with him. That was Rabbi Yisrael's answer. And uh, well, obviously Rabbi Chaim Ozer was a Balmidus, was a person of tremendously refined character. He was a, a very, uh, Sincere, genuine, holy individual, and they got married. He married the granddaughter of Rabbi Yisrael. So those are some brief vignettes of um, both the Arizal and the overview of the Arizal's unbelievable contribution to Klai Yisrael and Rav Chaim Oizer Grzinski. And in fact, in South Africa, we have a strong connection to Rav Chaim Oizer because um, the uh, uh, Rav Chaim Oizer's um, brother-in-law, he actually was. Um, was here in South Africa and was involved in building up the base in and in building up the community over here. So uh, there definitely are connections to him. Of course, we are all Litvak. So, you know, the great leader of Lithuanians, Jury, of course, had a great impact on our community as well. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So let's talk a little bit now about Tisha B'Av. So as mentioned, we're in the nine days and uh, all the gloom we see around us is very much in line with our um, the atmosphere and our mindset in the nine days. And it's not just because we're depressed for the sake of being depressed, you know. Now, that's nonsense. Of course, there's much, as I said earlier, the Arizal Jyotsa today, everything we do is based on deep uh, spiritual uh, depth and reasons and part of the whole Kabbalistic system of how God runs the world. It all fits in. And the calendar and the time of year is very much a big part of um, the way those things operate. So this time, the three weeks, is a time of vulnerability. It's a time of negative energy. It's a time where the muzzle, where the fortune of Klai Israel is not strong, is not good. Um, in other months, Misha Nichnas Av Mamatim Basimcha, Misha Nichnas Adar Marbim Basimcha, the Mishnah says. So in the month of Av, we rejoice, our, we minimize our joy. In the month of Adar, we increase our joy. Remember, take note that the Mishnah says, We still have Simcha. Living the life of a Jew, a Jew is a life filled with joy, filled with Simcha, filled with, um, filled with happiness, because there's no greater joy and happiness in life than understanding what we're doing here, than understanding our purpose in this world, and having clarity as to what God wants of us and why we're here, and what the work is that needs to be done in our lives and in our personalities and in our world. So that is the greatest joy, and that's the life of a Jew. It's filled with tremendous meaning and understanding and depth. So there's always Simcha. just happens to be in the month of Av, there's less Simcha. In the month of Adar, there's more Simcha. So the, as I described last week, the three weeks, nine days, Tisha B'Av, the 
they follow the normal cycle of mourning for a Jew. If God forbid we lost a loved one, and unfortunately we've seen uh, many, many funerals and so many wonderful people having uh, passed away, unfortunately due to the pandemic. So um, the cycle of mourning within Klai Yisrael, within the Jewish calendar, is we first have Shiva, and that lasts a week, and then we have Shloishim, which lasts the first 30 days, and then we have Yud Beis Chodesh, the 12 months of mourning. So the three weeks follow the same three patterns, but in reverse order. So from Shiva Asper Tammuz, from the 17th of Tammuz, until Rosh Chodesh Av, so we have um, the beginnings of our observance of mourning, um, and then it intensifies for the nine days. So the beginnings represents the Yud Beis Chodesh, the 12 months of mourning, then the nine days represent Shloishim, and then Kishabav itself, it's like Shiva, it's like we're sitting in Shiva. So right now we're in the nine days, the fifth of Av, and we therefore have a number of customs of mourning. Um, as we know, we don't eat meat and drink wine, um, because those are words of, uh, foods of joy, apart from on Shabbos and celebration. We don't make improvements to our home or garden, which are luxurious improvements. They're not necessities. We don't do laundry. We don't wear freshly laundered clothing. Um, we don't buy new clothes. And we don't bathe for pleasure. So that we're already into that, um, which, which, um, reflects the Shloshim, the, the first 30 days of mourning, which is the nine days. And then we have Tisha B'Av on Saturday night and Sunday. Saturday night, um, so the fast comes in, Motzeh Shabbos, as soon as Shabbos comes out. Um, so actually we shouldn't eat, we, we should stop our eating on Shabbos by 5.31 on Shabbos afternoon. Um, Shabbos comes out at 6.08 only, but already 5.31 at sunset, so we can't eat anymore. We don't eat anything. And um, and then Tisha B'Av kicks in on Motzeh Shabbos on Saturday night until Sunday night, the fast comes out Sunday night at 5.59. Yeah, in Joburg. And on Tisha B'Av, we then um, increase our customs of mourning, our observance of mourning, and it, it intensifies significantly. So, and Tisha B'Av is quite interesting. It's, it's a unique day in that um, it's a fast day. So we have customs. So it's, it's almost like Yom Kippur in a number of um, observances. And also it's like you mourning as well. So it's, a, it's like Yom Kippur with the mourning aspect. So on Tisha B'Av, Saturday night, Sunday, we don't eat and drink. We're fasting, of course. We don't bathe at all. We can't bathe at all. Unless there's dirt on you in some part of your body, you can't remove that. When you go to the bathroom, just wash to the knuckles. We can't apply any oils. Um, we can't wear leather shoes, which are comfortable. And we abstain from marital relation, from sex, sex, sexual intimacy is also prohibited in Tisha B'Av. So those five prohibitions which reflects Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the same, also has those five. Um, of course, in Yom Kippur, you can't do any malacha. Yom Kippur is like Shabbos. You can't do any creative activity. Tisha B'Av, there's no restriction of malacha. So you can do creative activity. We're all going to be on Zoom on Tisha B'Av. We're going to have our Zoom programs because, unfortunately, our shuls are closed. So you can do malacha, but you can't do those five things. Again, eating and drinking, bathing, applying oils, wearing, wearing the other shoes and marital relations. But in addition to those five on Tisha B'Av, furthermore, one can't learn Torah because you're mourning, you're in mourning. One can't, uh, so what Torah can we learn? We can learn Torah which has to do with the, with Korban, with the mourning. Um, so for example, we can learn all the laws of the Hilchas of the, the laws of mourning we can learn. Um, and we can also learn Echa, which we're going to be saying on Saturday night, um, which we are um, allowed to be doing. We can learn the Kinnis. 
Um, and we can uh, actually learn the third peric of Moed Katan, which deals with the laws of mourning. But otherwise, we we can't learn regular Torah. Why not? Because Torah, um, the Pasuk says, David Amalekh writes in um, Tehillim, in Psalm, Pikudei Hashem Yesharim, the the teachings of Hashem are straight. They bring joy to the heart. When you learn Torah, it brings one joy. It really does. It brings one tremendous joy, especially in our world where there's so much nonsense and there's so much schmutz and there's so much fake news and everybody has the agenda to learn Torah, which is MS, which is truth, which is God's word, is such a breath of fresh air. It's such a joy. It's such a pleasure. Um, I highly recommend it to all our listeners to learn Torah. Is the is a great joy. So we can't do that because it's not a day of joy. We can only learn the Torah that relates to the morning and to within context of the um, of the morning of the day. Like we're in Shiva, a person in Shiva also can't learn for the week of Shiva. Can't learn Torah for that same reason because it brings one joy. We also can't greet people on Tisha Part of the customs of mourning is greeting. So you can't say how's it to someone, which we as South Africans are used to doing. Um, you can't say shalom. You can immediately break into conversations. You can you, you can say how are you feeling, how's your family, um, how's the fast going. That you can say, but you can't say hi or shalom. And that's prohibited because a mourner can't greet somebody. A mourner's not in a situation where they're greeting and frivolously speaking to others. Um, the third custom of mourning, so that so one's learning Torah, the other's greeting people. The third one is working. We shouldn't do malacha. So this year it's on Saturday night, Sunday, so it's quite easy. But we shouldn't be involved in work, which will um, lead us to, um, which will lead us to uh, losing focus and being distracted by the focus of of the learning. And finally, and um, we shouldn't we shouldn't sit on a high chair. A mourner sits on a lower chair. Mourn is lower to the ground. That's a sound of mourning. So so to Antishabab, we sit on a lower chair which is closer to the ground. We should only sit on a chair um, that is uh, three fachim, which is 30 centimeters high, that you can sit on, like a cushion on the ground or a chair that's 30 centimeters, but not above it. So those are the customs of mourning over and above the five prohibitions, uh, inuyim, that we observe on on Tisha B'Av. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 Chai FM. So we're talking about Tisha B'Av and the importance of this day. So it's very important that we all observe Tisha B'Av and that we all fast on Saturday night and Sunday, fast coming in at 531 Past coming out at 5.59 on Sunday afternoon. And the, the, like everything in Judaism, we don't just observe rote rituals, which have no soul. Everything we do, all the rituals we observe are a framework within which to do spiritual work, deep spiritual work and personal work, um, in which there's an opportunity to grow as an individual, to grow personally. So what is the spiritual work of Tisha B'Av? Why is there such a fast and what is it that God wants of us on this day? So first I want to tell you the significance of the day itself. So Tisha B'Av is the, the origins of Tisha B'Av come from the Torah, of course. And the, the night when the spies returned from their reconnaissance of the land and they gave this negative report 
and said, how can we enter? And they're giants and we're going to be obliterated and it's a disaster. And Klai Yisrael listened to them and despaired and cried. And Hashem said to the Jewish people, as it says in the Torah, that you cry tonight for no reason. This will be a night of crying. There will be reason to cry on this day in the future and future generation. So it doesn't mean that, of course, we are doomed on this day every year. But it means that when Klai Yisrael veer off the path, when Klai Yisrael, our, our merits are running low, the, the time when we're particularly vulnerable, the time when Hashem's protection is less, is on this day. This is our kiddies heel this day of Tisha B'Av. And unfortunately, that has played out many, many times in the long and turbulent history of the Jewish people. The first temple, Bayes Rishon, was destroyed on Tisha B'Av um, it, it, uh, a few centuries before the Common Era. The second temple was destroyed on the same day. Isn't that a coincidence? Of course not. There's no coincidences in this world. Everything is guided by the hand of God. And so it's, of course, the same day. That day, which Hashem said, you you cried for no reason. This will be a day that will be reason to cry in the future. The day when the Jewish people cried when the spies come is the same day when the first temple is destroyed. The same day when the second temple is destroyed 500 years later, in the year 70 of the Common Era. And it's the same day when the great city of Beitar, when there was the rebellion against the Romans, the great city of Beitar was the last stand of the Jewish people. And it was captured by the Romans on Tisha B'Av, and tens of thousands of Jews were brutally slain by the Romans on this day. It's also the day when Turnus Rufus plowed the temple and the surrounding areas. So there are five significant things that happened in Tisha B'Av, um, which were 2,000 years over 2,000 years ago. And so that followed throughout Jewish history that this day was a day of, of suffering and hardship. We know that the Inquisition was implemented, the final day um, in which the, the Jews were given the option in Spain in 1492, either convert to Christianity or leave. Otherwise, you will face the sword. Otherwise, you will be killed. But that, the, the, the day when that was implemented was on Tisha of 1492. By the way, it's the same day that Columbus left the port and uh, went to discover America. So, Hiktim Ruful Amaka. And uh, we also see that in uh, it was in Tishabab 1914 that World War One broke out. The beginning of World War One was in Tishabab 1914. That was, of course, the precursor to World War Two and the terrible suffering of the Jewish people in the, in the 20th century. Jewish people suffered terribly in World War One as well. World War One was a disaster for the Jewish communities in the Pale of Settlement, and of course was the precursor to the Holocaust and to the unspeakable suffering. Um, as a result of the Shoah, as a result of the Holocaust. So Tishba is a day of weakness. So what's the work on the day? The work is that we realize that Hashem's not here. Hashem's not close. Hashem's house is not built. We all live in our beautiful homes with great security, we hope, you know, here in South Africa. And we, we, and in the comfort of our homes and our father, Vinushub Hashemayim, Hashem doesn't have his home. The base of Mikdash is not built. What does that mean, the base of is not built? It means that Hashem's presence is not comfortable in this world. We have pushed Hashem out. And by pushing Hashem out, so we push out the light of Hashem. With the light of Hashem, we have healing, and we have peace, and we have prosperity, and we have human dignity, and we have human rights, and we have respect one for each other. All of those beautiful concepts that we strive for are present and abundant when Hashem is close. And when we push Hashem away, and when we are self-centered 
and not able to see others and not able to see Hashem in the world. So then we have what is around us, the darkness and the suffering and the illness and the, and the mayhem and the violence that we see around us. So Tishbav is a day when we think about that. At least one day a year, we should be thinking about how dark the world has become as a result of Hashem's presence not being with us. And we open our hearts to Hashem and we long for Hashem's presence and we want there to be that great light and healing um, time of Hashem's presence back in the world with the end of suffering and the end of darkness and the end of the mayhem that we see around us. So please, God, we should all long for that on Saturday night and Sunday and fast and think about it and introspect and feel that pain. That's the purpose of Tishbab, a very holy, important day. And please, God, we Hashem should hear our cries and Hashem should see our longing and once again return and bring us Mashiach and bring us the light of healing and of peace and of tranquility for all of humankind. Thank you for listening and have a great day.